I listened to the band Camino's brand new debut self-titled album ten and a half times last night. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to Spin It. Hey everybody, welcome back to Spin It, the record ranking podcast for people who'd rather be listening to music. I'm James, and with me, as always, is Connor. Connor, say hi to the people. Hello! I'm so excited to be doing this one. That's right. Happy 10th episode. Double digits. We did make double digits. For our 10th episode, this one that you're listening to right now, we're doing something fun. We're doing something crazy. This album that we're talking about today has just been released. It's hot off the press. Brand spanking new. Released yesterday. It was released yesterday when we're recording this. If you're listening to this on Friday when the episode comes out, it was released a week ago. And the album we're talking about is The Band Camino by The Band Camino. Self-titled debut album. You know why they're called the Band Camino? I don't. Why are they called the Band Camino? Tell me. I've been curious about it, and I couldn't look up any information for fear of spoiling fact or spin. Because they needed a quick name. So they just threw that one out? Well, they had some songs that they wanted to release, but they didn't have a band name yet. And one of the members saw a Camino like the car, an El Camino. Yeah. And they liked the sound of it. So instead of El Camino, they're the Band Camino. Pretty much it. They like the car and they needed a name. It works out for them. I think, I guess it suits them. Yeah, I like it. So we know our usual shtick is that I listen to the album for months and months and then Connor listens to it once. Obviously, we couldn't do that this time with an album that's newly released. So, I mean, Connor still listened to it one time yesterday. This is pretty much just a normal episode for him. Yep. How many times did you end up getting to listen to it? Yeah, so I listened to it ten and a half times. Why the half? I'm listening to it right now. I mean, as we're talking, it's playing in my headphones. Oh, okay. So I'm on the half time. But that's in the last like 48 hours, maybe a little less. Or like the 36 hour mark. I've listened to it probably more times than anyone should listen to anything in 36 hours. But hopefully that still provides the same level of experience for the podcast. Suffice it to say, I've I've still listened to this a lot, even though it's new. This was one that I convinced you to do. I've been a fan of the band Camino for a while, and when I saw that they were coming out with a new album, I was like, we should do a newly released episode. Yeah, I think you mentioned it way back even before our first episode came out. We were talking about this and eyeing this band up. Because the band Camino, they released an EP before this album in 2019 called Try Hard. And just to prepare for this episode, I listened to that for the entire month of August. They also have tons of singles and stuff they did even before that, back before they were even signed to a record label. Yeah, I didn't dig that far in beforehand, but I might have to. I think that would be a great time to say, you probably haven't listened to this because it just came out, so go listen to it right now. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> this will be, we'll give you a chance earlier in the episode, I guess, to go listen to it than usual. Yeah, I want you to have already heard the music before we really dive into any of this. Especially since even the band is going to be new to you. Like some of you might have known Aerosmith or might have known Billy Joel, but not the album. I mean, I'm sure probably most of you are hearing this band for the first time, so check them out. Yeah. Let's talk about them, though, now that everyone's gone to check them out that wants to. The band Camino first formed in 2015 over in Memphis, Tennessee, which actually gets a shout out on the song Who Do You Think You Are, by the way. But they currently operate out of Nashville, Music City. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, last week we had Machine Gun Kelly, you know, Cleveland, Ohio. Now we're back in your home turf of Tennessee. Yeah, we're flipping and flopping. <laughs> Hipping and hopping. The band started out with five members, but by 2017, their original bassist and drummer left the lineup. So, as of this debut album, the band Camino consists of Jeffrey Jordan, who plays the guitar and sings. Probably, I think he sings most of the songs. He's their primary songwriter. Spencer Stewart also writes a lot of songs, and he plays the guitar and sings as well. And then Garrison Burgess plays the drums and the bass. He's the late arrival who joined in 2017. Yep. So, that's the band Camino. They all met in college as students at the University of Memphis. Nowadays, they're signed to Electra Records, which is the division of the Warner Music Group. I did a little research into this, if you couldn't tell. Over the years, Electra has been home to The Doors, Metallica, The Cars, Bruno Mars, ACDC, 21 Pilots, Lindsey Buckingham of Fleetwood Mac. It's been home to The Eagles, Destiny's Child, Queen, Emmylou Harris. My point is... It's a pretty good one. 
Yeah, they're in pretty good company, and they're poised to make quite a splash, I think, in the electro-pop-slash-alternative music scene. Again, this was after they already released a ton of music. You know, they were doing the same thing like the Head and the Heart did before they got signed, releasing their stuff independently. Yeah. They're another self-made kind of band. They are. That's true. And, I mean, in such a short time, too, six years for them to release an album like this is pretty remarkable. And only four years before their EP, their Try Hard EP, which has some really sneakily good songs on that, too. It does. My personal favorite is See-Through. See-Through's pretty good. I also really liked Hush Hush and Daphne Blue. If you're itching for more music after you've listened to this album, and you probably will be, you should check out Try Hard also. But tell me about the album, the one we're doing, not the EP. Right, yeah. It'd be dumb to tell you about the EP we're not talking about. So this record came out on September 10th, 2021. Yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. I guess I should just say that. But, for, I mean... No one's listening to it today. If you somehow listen to it today, how'd you get the audio files? Yeah, I'd like to have a word with you. (laughs) A week ago. It's it's come out a week ago if you've listened to this on release day. And it's an electronic kind of alternative music. People have called it electropop, indie, alt-rock. It's really kind of tough to say. They reminded me of a lot of different bands at different times that I'll point out as we go through. But they definitely have a diverse array of contemporary pop flavor. Yeah. I see here in your notes that you say they're going to really take off in the next few years. I would argue they've already taken off. Well, I mean, they've already taken off. I I just I expect them to really blow up. You know what I mean? Like they're going to be. All I'm saying is like while their fan base is still relatively small compared to like some of the bigger names out there in music, their fans are diehard fans. All right. Yeah. They have some loyal, crazy fans out there. I believe it. And I understand. You know, I get it. I was honestly a little skeptical about doing a podcast episode about a debut album that's just been released you know i wasn't really sure that was going to be super exciting but i am really excited about this like it feels like we're here from pretty much day one i mean of their album career you know yeah so in like 20 years when the band camino is super famous we could be like we were there we could say that we were probably oh. the first podcast released about this first album oh. maybe uh, definitely one of the first probably uh, Definitely the first one recorded, right? I bet no one else out there is recording a podcast the day after release. I don't know. Maybe some of the more popular podcasts got an early cut of the album that they could have recorded already. I don't know. But I'm going to pretend we were the first. (laughs) I'm going to tentatively stake our claim there. And if anyone else finds any information that proves us wrong, we'll just tweet an apology and everything will be okay. We'll just ignore it. We... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, sure. We'll just <laughs> we'll just assert things and then that'll be it. I'm not tentatively staking the claim. I'm claiming it and I'm going to ignore any evidence to the contrary. We were number one. Heck yeah. <laughs> I guess it's time. And I'm really curious this week for Factor Spin because, you know, as a, a newer band, I guess, or a band that's just released their first record, I wasn't sure how well the mixtaper would be able to find facts this week. So let's get him on here. I know the mixtaper is really excited uh, for this week. So yeah, let's bring him on out. Come on over, mixtaper. My level of excitement for Factor Factor Spin varies inversely with how excited the mixtaper is for Factor Spin. If he's excited, I'm a little worried. I'm very excited. You better be worried. Yeah. Let's just jump right into it, shall we? I don't see any reason to waste time. Well, uh, as Connor said, they have some very, very loyal fans. And so my first fact for you, the band Camino fans bought them a billboard in Times Square. That's pretty cool. That would be a very dedicated fan base. Did they do this recently for this album or for something older? Uh, in 2019. So about the time Try Hard came out. Was it a big billboard? Uh, I honestly don't know the size. I mean, all the billboards in Times Square are big, right? I mean, yeah. How much did the fans spend on this promotional billboard? I don't know how much the fans spent, but according to my research, an average billboard in Times Square ranges in cost from about 5000 for one day to well over fifty, depending on the size of the billboard. Oh my gosh. Yeah, well, there's some really big billboards around there. So, okay, so anyone could just buy a billboard in Times Square? I guess. I'm sure there's got to be some kind of regulations or restrictions. I'm sure you got to get what you want to put on the billboard approved, but uh, if you got the money and it's approved, I'm sure they'll they'll let you spend it. I don't see why not. Yeah, okay. I like this fact. We talked about how their fans are really dedicated and stuff. I think this is true. You're going with true. Yeah, I'm going with true. This fact is true. Yes. It's a true fact. Real dedicated fans. So they, it was actually a surprise. Uh, the fans coordinated with the band's manager at the time. And, you know, they were in New York for something. And so the manager said, hey, I've got a surprise for you. Hop in this car. And as they were driving, he said, so the fans got you something. And they rounded the corner into Times Square. And he said, they got you a billboard. And they got to see the billboard. It was a complete surprise to him. That's got to be so cool. I know. In an interview where they were talking about how the 
the band feels like they're friends with all of their fans. Jeffrey Jordan said, I'm going to say it right now. I don't think any of my friends back home would buy me a billboard. Ooh, called out. <laughs> called out. <laughs> Up next, the band gives out a free record every concert. Ooh, okay. Uh, Like a vinyl record? Uh, just a free like copy of their album, I guess. I don't know why I said record instead of album. Well, it's same difference. Yeah. How do they pick? Do they do a, a drawing or do they just throw it, you know? <laughs> they just throw it. <laughs> hope it doesn't break. Yeah. You, you catch the album. Yeah, you get to be the lucky owner. They throw it without the case, too. They just chuck a CD. <laughs> like a Frisbee. No. Um. So during their live concerts, they'll stop at some point and they'll have a, one of those like cheering contests to pick a section of the venue. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then they bring out this giant like bingo ball cage that has a bunch of numbers on it. And that's how they pick the seat from that section. What? Yeah. <laughs> how big is the bingo ball cage? It sits on a giant table that they wheel out onto the stage. Like, it's pretty big. You keep saying ambiguous words like giant. I mean, if you had to guess, like, the diameter oh, of it. Oh, gosh, I don't know. Um, Think of your typical, like, cart that you would wheel out. Yeah. The diameter of the ball cage, if it was sitting dead center on the table, would reach out to almost the edges of the wheeled table. That's at least how it looks in the pictures. That's pretty big. What do they do at general admission venues? Like, where there's only standing room, or maybe there's more seats than they have balls in the cage? I've, oh gosh, I don't know. Maybe they maybe they don't do it at those ones. I don't know. If you say maybe they don't do it at those ones, well then this fact can't be true if they don't do it at all their concerts. Listen, I don't know. Maybe they have another system. Maybe they chuck it for that one. <laughs> I guess they could. They could have a different system. Okay, I think this one feels spinny. This one feels like it's not true. What's leaning you towards spin? Maybe it's just because they spin the big bingo cage a bunch and then pull a ball out of it. Well, but this standing room only thing is what gets me. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's just me getting caught up on the details. But even when you have seats, you got to have like a row number and a seat number. You know, not every seat just has a number and every venue is different. Sometimes they have like an AA or a... Well, yeah, the bingo balls have like seat. They have... Yeah, yeah. Right, that's that's what that, that's what the bingo balls all say. They say like A1 or, you know. Yeah, but every venue's different. Like, I think too many variables are behind this fact and I'm going with spin. This is not true. All right, well, this fact is spun. Yeah. Ah, I, was, uh, yes. I was really hoping you weren't going to get caught up in the details of it. I thought you were just going to be wowed. And it was, I was really hoping for one of those I want it to be true scenarios. Well, I also do want it to be true. Hey, Band Camino, if you're listening to this, I've just had an idea. <laughs> yeah, you can have that idea for free, Band Camino. Plus, it's got to be a pain to tour with a giant bingo wheel. You know, that's got minimal payoff for what you're doing with it, although it is kind of cool. Up next, the Band Camino has a special fan club slash support group. Well, what makes them so special? The group is made up of the members' moms. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, that is a pretty exclusive club, isn't it? <laughs> what? How? Why are they organized into like an official club? Why can't they just be moms? It's what they call themselves. They call themselves the Moms Camino. Moms Camino? <laughs> are you kidding? Nope. The moms. I mean, I could be. That's the whole point of the game, right? Well, but. yeah, you could be. Yeah, I guess it's. <laughs> they call themselves the Moms Camino. How do they feel about you know songs like "I'm Sorry, Mom"? I don't know. I guess we'll have to ask them. They use Twitter to like and retweet all the Band Camino posts that they can find and to interact with fans talking about their sons. That's pretty cool. I got to say. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, this kind of ties in specifically. I don't know if you looked at their Spotify bio, but their Spotify bio says your mom's favorite band. Oh, this I don't know. I don't know about this <laughs> one because obviously their moms are going to be fans of their music. I like the ones that make you think even if you get them right. I like the ones that you question. Yeah, because this is <laughs> this skirts the line between what could be real and what could be fake. I just this is I'm stuck. I'm stuck. <laughs> the, the fact that the Sorry Mom song exists on this album and he's like, oh, sometimes you don't like the things I sing about is really throwing me for a loop. But you'd still be supportive of the band. You know, you'd still be this. I think this is true. You're going with true. You finally decide to go with true. I'm honestly a little hesitant, but I think this is a true fact. Mom's Camino, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry I doubted you. You're sure you're going with true. Yes. When you ask like that, it usually means you want me to change my answer at the last second. It absolutely does, because this is a true fact. <laughs> yes. Yes. I knew it. I knew it all along. I never had any doubts whatsoever. I never none. Had any Not doubt. one. 
Yeah. Uh, again, Jeffrey Jordan said in an interview that it's great to have such supportive mom and dads who like their music and are real supportive of what they're out there trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. That's exciting. So the band Camino got their name when they saw an El Camino on the street. Do you know how the mom's Camino picked out their name? When they saw the band Camino on the street? Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's like the same story. What a coincidence. Oh <laughs> uh, gosh, I got one more for you. One more. Okay. The band has a pizza named after them. I like it. Is it a like a local pizza joint or or is it a chain restaurant that has the name? I assume it's local based on the name of it. What's the name of it? Uh, it's at the restaurant Eat Memphis Pizza. Feels like a local thing. I don't know. It'd be weird to not be in Memphis and eat at a place called Eat Memphis Pizza. Yeah. <laughs> what comes on their special pizza? Uh, it's a pepperoni pizza with extra cheese, peppers, and sausage. What's the pizza called? Is it just called the Band Camino Pizza? Or is it does it have a clever name? Called the Pizza Camino. <laughs> yeah, okay, great. <laughs> are we gonna be the podcast camino today dude we should be the podcast camino today that's a great idea the spin it camino the spin it camino that's us right now <laughs> did they request like did the pizzeria come to them and say hey we got a pizza for you or were they like hey guys we're in a band and we like this pizza a lot i'd like the idea of it being the second one but it's actually the first one the band actually used to frequent that pizza shop all the time when they were in college that's cool did they some pizza places they have stages and bands will perform there and stuff did they like play at this pizza place any or were they just you know consumers of good pizza no but they did songwriting here this is where they would come to do songwriting this is actually the pizza that jeffrey would order when he came in whoa we got hands and hearts and pizzas so let's stop and eat some pizzas that was weird (laughs) hands and hearts and pizzas so stop and eat some pizzas i like it i don't know if you have a better body part to rhyme with pizza because i don't uh no (laughs) yeah see i'll let it i'll let it stand (laughs) pizza but is it truth though i hate that that was even worse than mine (laughs) i'm gonna say that this fact is true going with true yeah i think i'm gonna go with true it's not uncommon for pizza places or restaurants to have novelty menu items named after famous folks well i got you again it's another spin oh no no i this time see usually i start bad and then warm up into it and this time i started good and fell off the wagon i got too confident yep is there a pizza place called eat memphis pizza uh yeah thank goodness Oh, gosh. I considered making up a pizza shop, but I was afraid. I didn't know maybe you were like somehow like a Memphis pizza connoisseur and like knew all the pizza shops in Memphis. So I I went with a real one. I'm glad you went with a real one because if you went with a fake one and decided to name your fake pizza place Eat Memphis Pizza, (laughs) I would never have lived that down. Oh, now I wish it was fake. Gotcha. Yeah, you did. Uh, I'm not happy about it, but I expected nothing less. It feels good. Well, you get ready, Mixtaper, because I feel like next week I'm going to come out guns a blazing. I feel like I'm really going to make up some ground next week. Absolutely not. You know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to crush you. <laughs> do, do your worst. I'd like to see you try. I'm try hard. Ooh, that was a that was a Van Camino joke. Yeah. Hey, that was a good that was a good joke, Camino. <laughs> Well, that's all the time we have for Factor Spin. Mostly, uh, you don't have any more questions to give me, and I also don't want to miss any more answers. So with that, we will bid you adieu, Mixtaper. See you next week when I crush you. Yeah! And everybody give a warm welcome back to Connor, who was sitting there the whole time patiently, biding his time. I was. Should we get in the cover art? I think we should talk about the cover art, if we can. Well, the cover art for this album, I, I looked at it, and I tried to think about what to say in this part, and the only note that I made is it's very yellow. <laughs> I also made that same note, very yellow. Because it is. I mean, the, the cover art is just a yellow background, and the band is, stand, I presume the band Camino, but their faces are all washed out in the bright light. Their whole bodies, every bit of their skin, you know, even the arm on Yeah, everything's blurry. They're like blinding light, you know? Yeah, it is very bright. And it says the band Camino on it, as any good album by the band Camino, titled the band Camino, should. What'd you think? You like it? What I like about it is, uh, I don't know if you noticed on Spotify, but it like kind of shifts. It's kind of like a little small video as the light like shifts and shimmers. It looks cool when it does that. What do you mean? Go Go to Spotify. I'm looking at it. It's just the cover. It's not. Not a different image on it. Hang on, I'm sending you now a series of screenshots. Oh, yeah, that is different than mine. That's that's cool. Yeah. You're like the one person that won an album from the bingo wheel. You won the cool <laughs> cover. Yeah, it's cool. I don't have a cool cover. Mine's just stationary and square. So one thing I did want to point out, though, is I feel like this could be an allusion to know it all because he talks about how one of the lines says you love the color yellow, but you hate the song. 
And I was like, oh, I know what's yellow. It's the album cover. I don't know if it's got any relevance to the song whatsoever, but it just seemed like the most likely explanation. Yeah, I was trying to figure out what the blinding light could kind of mean. I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure out how it tied in. I couldn't either. I do like the look of it. I do too. I think it's very fitting. It kind of reminds me of almost like an early 2000s pop album cover. You know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. It feels a little bit like a throwback. I like it. Good work, Band Camino, on this very yellow album cover. So before we jump into the album itself and talk about the first track, Everybody Dies, I want to talk about the title of the first track, Everybody Dies. Why do you think it's all caps and one word? Well, because, I don't know, I feel like if you see a song called Everybody Dies with normal capitalization and spacing, then you're just kind of like, dang, what a bummer. But like this song, if you listen to it, Everybody Dies is a happy thing. It's a happy take on it, and everybody chants it and yells it. And this title, all capitalized and together like this, makes me feel like everybody dies. You know, it just it kind of has the same energy as the song. I'd agree with the capitalization, but I still don't get why it's all one word. I kept try- I kept waiting on a moment in the song to clarify why it was that way. Well, they're not going to sing about why they made the title with no spaces in the song. I don't know. I thought maybe there'd be a lyric that made sense. There are a lot of lyrics that make sense. Let's talk about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's jump into it this song to me felt like walk the moon a lot okay it was a great start to the album that intro the bum 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 the way it starts i love it yeah it's a a funky rhythm yeah it is it's different especially on the pre-chorus part that gets stuck in your head it does like i said it's a weirdly happy everybody dies song. (laughs) you know the whole motto of it is it happens how it happens everybody dies anyway there's no sense in stressing about things because what will be will be it's uh i'm sitting here in my head singing along to the pre-chorus and boy do they hit the chorus well they really do so this is a song like i said i've listened to this album ten and a half times in the last two days in the last day and a half really so a lot of my opinions on a lot of these songs evolve over time and i'll talk about that process but for this song i liked it from the first listen i think it was an immediate thumbs up from me i agree the beat for the chorus the lyrical rhythm that they put with the then instrumental beat for the chorus is so good yeah and actually it's pretty clear that they're very cognizant about the relation between their words and their musical rhythms all kinds of places throughout this album Uh uh-huh it's one of their real strengths they do it in tons of places yeah one of the lines that i really loved remember with machine gun kelly he said this is poetry not drunken buffoonery i think we've got a lot of poetry to certify on this album dude there's so much poetry in here there's very little buffoonery yeah there's a few a handful but this song didn't really have any for me (laughs) in one of the choruses he uses the line I don't know how many more I've got, but I'll be waiting for forever if I'm waiting for a better day. As in, there's no time like the present, no better days are coming, I'm gonna have to do it now or I'll never do it. They're really good as well. We already talked about how their rhythms lyrically and instrumentally kind of mesh very well together purposely but they're so good about really packing a lot of syllables in there you know for their lines they can say exactly what they want to say with as many syllables as they need to say it and they make it work just about every time well yeah i mean they only have eight beats to sing that entire but i'll be waiting for forever if i'm waiting for a better day like it's got just a a real push to it Uh, you know sometimes when you got a lot of syllables you know you kind of just got crammed together to make it all fit but they play with those rhythms to make it work just so melodically yeah it's good and another line that i really liked that i have to point out is he sings if the song never stopped it wouldn't have any magic so even though it's got to end i'll keep singing along that's a fun little metaphor about you know music versus life you know if life didn't end then what would be the point of living yeah what makes it special is that it's limited in scope also the the more reserved bridge that they do towards the end of the song it took me by surprise but again it was perfect yeah one of my favorites the little damned if i do damned if i don't that's more reserved they kind of strip away a lot of the instrumentation for it yeah that was all my notes on that song a solid start to the album really solid yeah although honestly i think the next track was only a step up even yeah uh so up next roses was one of the pre-release singles that so uh, just as a point of clarification because i'm such a fan of the band camino before this uh, i definitely no don't say it say it ain't so yes i definitely listened to the four singles that were released when they were released so my gosh I know. So I've heard the songs Roses, Know It All, Sorry Mom, and One Last Cigarette several times. Everything else was new to me, though. My life is a lie. Hey, we got ourselves a cheater Camino over here. A <laughs> cheater Camino. <laughs> but so yeah, so I've heard this one a lot. And of the four pre-released, honestly, this was my third favorite. Are you kidding? And that's not that's not a slight on the song. 
It's just two of the other three are just so darn good that this had to rank third. Wow. This is one of my favorites. This is one that I never put in my top three, but I feel really bad about it. Like, yeah. in making a top three, I had to cut Roses and Everybody Dies. And I'm, those are the two that I'm really upset about. But less so Everybody Dies. It's just a shame that Roses didn't make that. Roses, it's a phenomenal song. The song is pretty much saying, why are we longing for so many things when we haven't even taken the time to appreciate what we've already got? That's the whole premise. Yeah, it's like a continuation of the theme from the previous song. So the previous song was all about live life, you know, uh-huh. you need to live life. Yeah, everybody dies, but it's still worth living. And so this one's then like, hey, you're living your life, but you're worried about the wrong things. Yeah, yeah, it does feel very connected. <laughs> it's like a nice continuation. I love it. Right off the start, there's this really awesome piano part. And he sings, look around and tell me what you want me to see. Maybe you're the person that you always wanted to be. Like maybe the things that you aspire towards are in your life right now. And you just haven't taken the time to recognize it. They know how to hit a chorus, man. They hit this chorus so well again. Yeah, it's a unique mix of like piano pop and techno wubs that I really think works. It's that sweet spot. Yeah, they kind of do the sliding around on the ends of each of the words of bad and sad and mad. They kind of do the slide on. One thing that evolved over my listens to this record was on my first listen, my note was, was that a bike bell? (laughs) Right before he sings at the end, he goes, you know, we've all got hands and hearts and noses. So let's stop and smell the roses. Uh Also, just on my first listen, I was not sure about that line. I was like, yeah, I guess it rhymes. And a nose is how you would smell the roses. But I did have to laugh at that. Yeah, I think it's poetry. It does seem a bit buffoonery, but I think it's certified poetry the more you listen to it. Sometime around listen six, that one clicked in and I was like, yes, heck yeah. I think it's interesting that they put the self-censor on themselves for that line too. I'm a little confused by it, actually, because... Me too, because they definitely curse later in the album, so I'm not really sure why they censored it here. I know, I got to listen (laughs) eight and I was like, there are a dozen other F-bombs that they don't touch. And this is the second best one. Yeah, I know. I would call the first best one the one that's in I Think I Like You. That's my favorite one. But this would have been the second best because it fits the the mood so perfectly. The context of the song is like, hey, shut up about being sad. Get over yourself and smell the effing roses. You know, like it's really admonishing. And I think it would go well here. But to not even like release this as a radio version and have the full version. I know. It was like this was just the version. I guess that's just the way they wanted to do it. But But again, I kind of like it. Again, I've heard this song a lot, and it's one of those ones that grows on you. Like a rose. (laughs) Pretty much everything kind of gets out of the way of the sensor. Everything kind of halts for a second, and then just for that split beat before they say roses. Yeah. And stylistically, it it works. Yeah, but you know in concert, everybody's going to be screaming it at them. Oh, absolutely. Maybe that's the point. That's why maybe they even have the instrumentation kind of back out, so that then when everybody screams it at them, it's just that's all you hear. (laughs) It could be. I I think there were a lot of songs on this record, or at least a couple that were definitely meant for live shows that are better when played loud. And Roses is definitely one of them. You know, some of my listens were in headphones, through computer speakers, through car stereos. And this is one of the ones that was a standout on the car stereo listens. Yeah, I think now would also be a great time to point out a kind of common theme that I think runs throughout the entire album. Hit me. What's your common theme? The theme Camino. What's the theme Camino? (laughs) The theme Camino. The theme Camino, I think a lot has to do with just the concept of uh, you got the living your life thing running through. But I think specifically with the choices you make and how they relate to technology, technology and how technology is kind of bad or being overused runs through a lot of these songs. Interesting. I did not catch it in Roses. So there's the line, when did it get cool to be so sad? Really kind of hit me with this idea of how we really glamorized this idea of depression and mental illness on social media and stuff you know yeah i don't know also we got a shout out in this song they said we're spinning backwards spinning backwards yes right spin it backwards spin it backwards is to nips (laughs) i think yeah you're right there are a couple of moments where they kind of call out technology and and I think I think they call out technology and they call out this idea of living your life to the fullest, which, you know, one of the big things that people like to point out with technology, people get don't live their life. They're too much in the screen, you know, so I feel like sure. as a whole, that kind of concept is really what a lot of this album is touching on. Well, more than that, I felt like this album was really hyper-focused on identity, you know, and and in that way, it was really consistent across all these songs. Mm -hmm. But Roses, too, is saying, tell me you're the person that you always wanted to be. Maybe 
who you are right now is what you want to be and you just don't know it. Stop and look around you. Just this kind of idea of figure out who you are right now. They just have such a good sound. Yeah, I, I gotta say, I was skeptical at first about their sound and it really grew on me. He's just got a really distinct singing voice. It has a certain charm for this kind of music. Yeah, but also I want to point out because we just did Machine Gun Kelly where I ripped on like the processing and kind of the meshing of a sound even though he was the only singer. I wondered, I wondered whether you were going to say anything about this. Jeffrey and Spencer are the two main singers of the songs and they kind of do that thing where they kind of blend their voices into one sound even though you can still hear both distinct voices. And th- again, that's what Machine Machine Gun Kelly did, but he was the only one singing. Sometimes, yeah. What this band does with their sound is what he tried to do, but it was just him. (laughs) Should we move on to Underneath My Skin? Yeah, I think we should. Underneath My Skin, initially, on my first listen, was not my favorite. On my eighth listen, still not my favorite. On my (laughs) ten and a half listen, it still didn't click. I mean, something about it just wasn't sticking for me. I tend to agree this would probably end up towards the lower half of the album for me. Yeah. But it still had a lot of good notes to it. I mean, it had a more melodic start than the other two. And then it picks up a bit on the pre-chorus. And then once again, they just hit that chorus. They hit the chorus so well. Even if you don't care for the song, they just nail every chorus. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think a lot of the stuff on this album feels fresh, feels really new. But the chorus and stuff on Underneath My Skin feels like something I've heard before. You know, it feels very similar to something I'm already familiar with. So I guess in my head, it's almost played out. Yeah, and we're going to have that same problem towards the end of the album where there was one that just really didn't click for me because it sounded too much like something else. What I will say, though, on my fourth listen, I was focused on the words that time and I really liked the way that they used the line. I fall for it every time I see you naked in a song about being under the skin. You know, just that that clever little parallel between skin. Yeah, they really know how to put together some good lyrics. I would say of the episodes we've done, Billy Joel is kind of like the king of lyrics. Sure. They're definitely up there, though for lyrical genius they really know how to put a lyrics together and make it mesh with what music is playing yeah anyway i mean unless you're in love with this one and it sounds like you're not we do have 14 songs to hit and this is one that the cliff notes version may be sufficient uh yeah underneath my skin wasn't my favorite but i think i like i think i like you <laughs> it starts off with a cowbell and that synthesizer it's kind of a rocking combination you know and it pops you right into the song this was the weakest start for me really I should say weakest start so far. Wow. This one on my first listen made my top three. Really? And even now on my ten and a half listen, still in my top three. Yeah, this is not, this one just didn't click for me. You know, it had the weak start for me and then the pre-chorus got better and then they hit the chorus and again, they hit it well, but the rest of the chorus, I literally wrote my notes. I went, oh, meh. Wow. Really disappointed <laughs> in that scathing review. And then I just didn't care for all the falsetto stuff he was doing on this one. Like, there's some other songs where he did falsetto work, and I really liked it, but not on this one. This is the song that reminded me the most of the 1975. You know, I mentioned that was kind of one of the key components of their sound, but the first place where I had that thought was in the middle of this track. Uh, I'd agree with that. This one just didn't click for me. But this was what I said, my favorite use of the F-bomb. There's a line in here that he says he was so obsessed with all the Fs he wasn't giving. Like, he's trying to be so cool. He's so focused on trying to have this super cool attitude that he missed out on this potential romantic interest. Yeah, which again, that theme of like kind of living your life and not getting caught up in things that aren't important. Still there. Still there. That's true. This time more framed about a relationship. It hurts like heaven and it feels so good. The one thing I noticed on the fourth listen was that voice sound on the bass. It sounds fantastic. It almost sounds like an acapella bass, like someone using their voice to do it. But it's been so heavily digitized either through a talk box or a vocoder or something like that and it's just stellar it doesn't happen anywhere else on the record so it's pretty unique to this track and i liked it a lot and i also really loved the way that he ends the song those last times that he sings do me better than any other love could but he goes way up high with it into the stratosphere that gets me every time and then it ends with the little bass scat by itself Uh, no that's the falsetto i was talking about you didn't like that it just didn't do it for me it was too much too much for me if you say so So before we started recording this episode, we tried not to say too many things to each other, but I did mention that I have an absolute clear winner for favorite song. And in my mind, in my mind, there's no competition. And for me, that favorite song was Know It All. A hundred percent. So Know It All, again, one of the pre-release singles, was my second favorite of the four pre-releases. 
Oh, wow. So <laughs> not the favorite, but higher than Roses. Okay. Yeah, and it is the Connor honorable mention. I hate to cut this from my top three. Just like I hated to cut Roses. <laughs> really going into this album, I expected this to make top three. And something else just blew it out of the water for me. Wow. I love the story of it. It's one of those one that gets you. So again, you know, throughout other episodes, I talked about ones that when you hear the title, I have an idea of what I think the song's going to be about. And then it tricks me. Yes, very much. This is one of those ones that got me, you know, the idea that it's talking about how he doesn't know it all. He doesn't know the full story about the past he has with this woman. The new boyfriend. Yeah, the new boyfriend doesn't know the full story about her past relationships. Yeah. Specifically the singer. Yeah. It's clever. I like it. So good. I have in my notes in all capital letters. Why are they so good at choruses? <laughs> From the very beginning of the song, it's my every time the song came on, on each of my 10 listens, the radio came up a couple notches. I mean, oh, I just right from the beginning. This is one of those, you were talking about car stereo listens. This is one of those songs that you just crank up in the car and blast and sing along to. A hundred percent. It starts off with the kind of chorus in the background singing, know it all, know it all. Know it all. Yeah, really. <laughs> Kind of echoey and light. Yeah. But then he comes in with this first verse that hits like a sack of bricks. Uh Somebody told me that you found somebody new and you're happy. I really like that parallel somebody. Yeah. And again, the way he bounces there, the way he's bouncing on that road. Somebody told me that you found somebody. You know, he's like bouncing the whole time, you know, as uh, each syllable kind of bounces. Crazy. And then the chorus is just top notch. I know he doesn't know at all. He don't know that you and me had something chemical. Chemical. Yeah, I know. Montreal. It's just, again, those hints are so good. Really good. Again, I want this to be top three so bad. When you hear what beats it out, I think you'll understand. I don't know. From my personal musical taste. Okay, yeah, from your personal, yeah, okay. I love the line in the chorus, the things you said to me when we were drunk in Montreal, because that's such a storytelling line. Uh I like how it's so ambiguous that we don't know what it's talking about, but it's a world builder. That's one of those Billy Joel level lines that I was talking about. That like that sets the scene so so perfectly in just one line. And the second verse too. You know, a lot of people that write songs kind of say that the second verse is the hardest part of the song to write because the first verse you're setting up the story and telling it. Then you've got the chorus, which is the hook of your song. That's an easy part to keep track of. It's the main idea. The second verse has to continue the story without being repetitive or boring. Yeah. And this second verse is, I think, their best second verse on the album from what I can remember right now. Yep. He says, do you remember when the world was in the walls of your bedroom and everything you said to me was like a line in a song? Yeah. And that's such another world building that that sets the mood of like the time period of what this verse is talking about. When in your life is the world only the walls of your bedroom when you're like a teenager, when you're when you're younger. Right. That's really all your world is. So it instantly sets the image in your mind of what time period he's talking about for this verse. It's true. It really does. And then we talked about, too. Why do you love the color yellow, but you hate the song? I don't know about that line either. I, I have you don't no, know that you don't know about that line. No, I have no idea about that line. Really, I assume he's referring to the song "Yellow" by Coldplay. Oh, maybe you love the color yellow, but you hate the song "Yellow." What's the song "Yellow" by Coldplay? I'm not familiar with it. No, you've never heard the song "Yellow" by Coldplay. I don't think so. Ew. Just based on the lyrics, I hate the song "Yellow" too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can understand why they used it as the song to hate, right? Gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe the inspiration for the album cover, maybe not. Who's to say? But all I do know is it's the only time the color yellow is mentioned on this record. So what gives? So know it all. Your favorite song, calling it on track five of 14. Favorite song, hands down. Okay, calling it on track five of 14, having listened to every track 11 times. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm just saying it's early, you know, we're not even to the halfway point yet. It's true. Who do you think you are picking that as your favorite song so early? I, I wonder what you were looking for there. <laughs> Who do you think you are was initially unimpressive? On my first pass, it was okay. Uh, but by my fourth listen, I think the intro and stuff, it started to grow on me. Really, really good guitar work. It's one that I only got one listen, and I feel like it would grow on me more if I had more listens. I did not understand the weird techno start to it. I literally wrote in my notes, what's this weird techno start? It's a guitar. I, I know, but it's kind of techno-y. I guess. I don't know. They've played with the frequency, so it sounds really muffled, but also really clean. I don't know. It, it was weird. I didn't know how to feel about it. And by the time I started to decide how I felt about it, it moved on. Yeah, but you were too late. But I do like when he starts singing, you know, he's in that, you know, normal register without the mixing going on. You know, it's more just pitch correction, auto-tune, and they've left the rest of it kind of alone. Sure. Yeah, well, because this is way more personal. This is Jeffrey's song to himself. Yeah. Where he criticizes all the parts of himself that he doesn't like. All the things that he's become that he's never 
never imagined himself being. Yeah, again, it's one of those songs that it got me with what it was about. And it's a great ballad. I'd consider this a ballad. I think so. It's slower and it does have a pulse to it, you know, but it's still a ballad. Compared to the rest of the album. Yeah. (laughs) When the backup singing does come in, though, how they just punch in with the techno beat going on. Again, that's another one of those things where they really understood how the lyrics were going to match up with the instrumentation. I love the line, you cover growing up with tattoos and new shoes. Like you do all these things to yourself to try and mask the fact that you're getting older or you're, you know, you're maturing. So you're trying to cover it up by with your tattoos and your new shoes, you know. Uh huh. This also is the song that has the shout out to Memphis in it. It is, yeah. The chorus he sings. It's a great chorus. Yeah, it is. The chorus he sings. Who do you think you are? Running around shooting. Sorry. Oh wait, no. No. Song. Yeah, not Jar of Hearts. <laughs> Christina Perry, though, singer of Jar of Hearts, by the way, also signed to Electro Records at one point. Oh. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> I saw her on the list and I didn't think it would come up. What are the odds? <laughs> Yeah, the lyrics. Uh, Who do you think you are? How did you get so far away from everything you thought you'd be at 17? I miss that innocent kid from Memphis is how it ties in, by the way, which is why I mentioned this. That's the next line. Yeah, man. Everybody has that idea of who they're going to be at 17. You know, that's right as you're just getting ready to enter adulthood. You know, one more year and you're you're starting to plan your future and you have all these ideas of what you're going to do in life. Yeah. I also thought the snaps were a nice touch on this one. Yep. I wrote that in my notes, too, that I like the snaps. The second verse on Listen to or three i was honestly pretty disappointed i thought there was a real dud line here they don't know you like i know you they don't see the things i see is it was initially like disappointingly cliche you know that line feels like fluff however it's very cliche it's very cliche but in a ballad i feel like if you're gonna be cliche you gotta do it in a ballad yeah and and on my seventh listen it kind of clicked in that he's talking to himself right so this line takes on a whole nother dimension right you know normally when you say they don't know you like i know you it's just being cheesy like oh i like you so much and people don't see you when i see you they don't see what i see but he's talking to himself he's like looking in a mirror and instead of being i see all the good things about you that other people don't see it's really a reflective i see all the bad parts about myself that other people don't understand you know i i'm there for all of my lowest points and that really turned this line on its head and so i don't think i have a problem with it at all anymore but for a minute it was looking tedious it was looking like a dud one of those moments where my thoughts were evolving as I listened, when we hit the instrumental break, I think it's right after verse two, where the kind of techno guitar thing comes back, I said, oh, I love it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somewhere in the middle, it fit. It was because of the snaps. They added the snaps yep, to it, yep. and then it picks back up. Uh-huh. One line, though, that actually remained and remains a dud, ten and a half listens in, is in the second verse, they say supposed to be two times in really quick succession, and it just did not get it done. Like, the line goes, you smile and sing like you're supposed to, I guess that's who you're supposed to be. And I didn't, eh. No, you're you're right. It's one of those things where, like, you could have come up with a better word than supposed to, to use multiple times. Yeah, I, I don't know. It doesn't. I agree. It's one of the weaker moments. This is a song that I wrote in my notes. I said, Connor, top three, question Ooh. mark. It did not make it there. It did not make it there. Uh, it's a great ballad, but it's not going to beat out the next song. Sorry, Mom, my favorite song of the four pre-releases. Wow. this You're taking this one for favorite. Yeah, uh, favorite of the four pre-releases, not favorite song oh 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 right right that simple guitar intro and just jeffrey singing with that guitar the harmony is just so simple and sweet i love it it is my first note was an acoustic guitar since when because <laughs> i mean really i don't think it's come up so far in the album everything's been electric or digital yeah it's a very simple song very pulled back yeah and as you may have guessed sorry mom is an apology to his mother to one of the mom's camino yeah for all the things that he's become or started doing it only almost felt like a different perspective on who do you think you are and i feel like it really is since he's writing to himself in that one and then writing this one as himself to his mom even the chorus is simple yeah but it's exactly what the song needs i don't know i just i love it i found a quote from jeffrey jordan about this song and why he was initially hesitant to release it really yeah he said a lot of people were telling me that they liked the song and for me i was like i don't know if i could put this out I know that my mom would have a hard time hearing me say all this stuff, and I definitely took that into consideration. Even though I'm 26 years old and in a band for a living, it doesn't matter how old you get, you never want to hurt the people that you love. Right. And that quote is part of what was throwing me on Factor Spin. I was like, he thinks his mom is disappointed in the stuff that he writes. No, you see, I think it's the exact opposite. He's saying he knows how supportive his mother is. Because, like, you can be as supportive as you want, but there's going to be things you don't like, you know, about whatever. And so this is him kind of calling attention to all those things. And I think he knows that it's going to hurt her to know that he's hurt by that. You know, he's hurt that he's hurting her. 
and the fact that she's gonna hear that he's hurt by her thoughts is gonna hurt her in return it's like a weird like loop. oh my gosh yeah what a mess you just hit me with a my ex's best friend <laughs> you know he's hurt by her and she's hurting him but her ex is texting his ex and they're best friends and <laughs> This song, for the most part, I think was good. The very first lyric almost had me worried. It was a red flag raiser at first. He says, I've done a lot that I regret, which is okay, fine. But then he says, says things I wish I never said. And I was like, dang it. Oh no, that's just such a loop of a line. That's like the glazed donut of lines. You know, it's nothing fancy and it's good enough to eat. But sometimes a glazed donut is what you need, though. It sometimes, is. you know, all the sprinkles and fillings is too much. Yeah. And he does make up for it in spades on the chorus, uh-huh. which we, we haven't talked about in specific yet. He says, sometimes I get drunk. Sometimes I say bleep. Leap. <laughs> <laughs> That's one that they don't censor, you know? That's I this- know. It's kind of so raw. This was the third best one. This is my favorite. I would say your favorite would be my second favorite. Fair enough. But he says, sometimes I get drunk. Sometimes I say bleep. Sometimes I act like I don't know right from wrong. Just a real punch. It's, it's very emotional. You got to be careful. You'll tear up a little bit thinking about it. I mean, I feel like a lot of people can identify with the concept of not wanting to upset your mother. And so if you're not careful, again, this is one of those songs I've heard a ton because it was a pre-release single. Because she cheated. Yep. As a pre-release single, what a first impression. Yeah. Wow. And this is one of those songs I mentioned earlier I didn't care for his falsetto. I love the falsetto he does on this song towards the latter half of it. This was the best bridge on the album. Yeah. And again, very identity focused. I wish that I could find the words to tell you just how much it hurts that I'm not who you wanted me to be. Mm, The fall on the line that I'm not who you wanted me to be as he comes down the scale. Oh. Yeah. And then he ends it with no matter what I've done, I just hope deep down you're proud of me. It's a raw song. Definitely Connor top three territory. But not your favorite. Definitely Connor top three. You can't get much higher than that. I think <laughs> it will get higher than that. But you're just, it's, this is just a phase. Boo. Just a phase is the other song that never clicked for me much. Yeah, yeah it was definitely one of my least favorite songs. It was definitely Connor bottom three. Why are we agreeing on all the songs we didn't like as much this time, mostly? Yeah, it's crazy. But just a phase, I my very first note was, hmm, this one isn't starting off the way I'd hope. No, I did like the way it faded in and the drums that came along with it, but I didn't like the way that the chorus washed out the vocals. Yeah, too much going on. The first time I listened to it was uh, like a computer speaker playthrough. Not usually how I like to first listen to something, but I was kind of on a crunch for time with this album. Yeah. And it was just hard to hear the melody and the words because of how, like, I, I wrote it in my notes phonetically. It was very, very, you know, <laughs> behind the, it's the sound that was prevalent behind the chorus. It was just this little, it was washed out. Yeah. I'm just going to read you verbatim my notes because it really sums up my thoughts on this song. I said, hmm, this one isn't starting off the way I'd hope. Oh, the pre-chorus saved it. And the chorus lost it again. Too much going on. Oh, and when they hit the everybody section, I like it again. This song is a roller coaster. Yeah. (laughs) The song itself goes through phases. Yeah, but not in a good way like one of the later songs. On the fourth listen, I determined that this song really rocks harder than I gave it credit for. But by listen eight and nine and ten, it just still hasn't stuck. Like I looked up the lyrics without listening to it at one point in between listens, and I couldn't even remember the melody. (laughs) I was like, this is sad. Yeah, it's one of the least memorable ones. This this is one that's like good to have on the playlist on shuffle, but it's probably one where I'm going to frequently skip unless I'm in a very specifically right mood for it. Yep, it's definitely a skip. Up next is the last of the pre-releases, I believe. It was one of the pre-releases. One Last Cigarette was one of the first four singles. And it was my least favorite of the four. Good. Okay, I can get behind that. I was worried you were going to really like it because it seemed to be one of the more popular ones among the rest of the fans. And I also was missing some of that zeal. Yeah, that's exactly zeal is what's missing. It feels almost a little stagnant at times. Even though it's rocking hard, it still has a stagnant tone to it, even though there's a lot going on. I don't, this is a, a probably an obscure reference, I think, for most people that are listening to this podcast podcast but this song really reminded me in terms of them taking from other pop styles and alt rock styles this song felt like a wombat song so that's what i was thinking about as i was listening to it interesting i want to see if you have the same thought if you listen to this and go to like somewhere around a minute oh yeah okay yeah yeah it was like that once again of course the pre-chorus and chorus slam as usual absolutely the production on this one is so clean yeah the clapping is fun when they add in the clapping yeah, I do like the chords on this one, too. There are a lot of minor chords, 
This is one of the songs that I realized later on in my spins that it was better to play loud because in headphones and stuff I was listening I was like man I really don't like this group chant that runs through the whole thing oh my friends you know I didn't like that and it was a really constant kick drum really persistent just thump 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 yeah and it was not awesome in headphones but then I put it in the car stereo and then it got like I was like oh okay that's better uh-huh. this is another live venue song or play loud song. This is a middle to bottom song for me. Interesting. It's probably definitely middle for me. I don't think it's bottom. I don't think it's bottom either, but I didn't specifically put them in order, so I can't say for sure. I just didn't really care for the story being told. There's some clever moments in the story. Like, I think the chorus tries to do something clever, but it doesn't quite pull it off. Because, right, he says, I can't stand the man I'm seeing in the mirror all the way back up at the very beginning of the song, right? Blah, blah, blah. But he says, all my friends, they left me for dead. But then he says he has 10 missed calls and one last cigarette. Yeah. To me, it's I think they're going for something it's like it's all in his mind his friends haven't left him for dead they're not angry at him he's just self-destructive and the 10 missed calls are supposed to clarify that it's all him being self-destructive maybe 10 missed calls of people telling him he was making an idiot of himself or people that are mad at him or at least that's what he thinks they are i don't know yeah i feel like they're going for something clever there where it's like it's one of those self-deprecating things and it just doesn't quite pull it off yeah, uh, I can get behind that. Next up is Song About You. Buckle up, everyone. Uh-oh. Strap in. Get it's ready. time for Connor's favorite song. Woo! <laughs> okay, this one was not my favorite, but it was not in my original top three, but it was in my eighth listed top three. And by now, it's probably my second favorite song. It is my favorite song. It's what beats out Sorry Mom. And honestly, it's the song that I kept saying blew everything else out of the water and cause know-it-all to fall out of top three territory. Wow. Yeah, if it was going to lose to one, I'm happy that it's this one. It's just, it's a great song. This is the song. So again, outside of this recording, we were talking the other day and I kept whistling a song and I was like, oh, I don't want to spoil anything, but this was the song I was whistling. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it's catchy. It's really stick in your head territory. The verse is one of the ones that I thought was pretty familiar. It echoed a lot of a popular song that I couldn't figure out. Really? Yeah, I never did. I love the chorus. The chorus is what makes this song. I mean, it's another melodic start. My initial note was, I'm really not sure about the skippiness on this chorus. They put a lot of breaks in between the words. Oh, I love it. I didn't know whether it was good or just different on my first listen. My fourth listen, I said, yeah, I really love that a lot now. It's like album highlight levels of like it. And then the eighth pass was, yeah, this is my second favorite song, uncontested. Man, it's just that organic singing, which is Jeffrey singing, you know, and the rhythm is so unique and, ah, it's so good. Well, yeah, because the whole rest of the song has this whole very driven, this da na 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 and he just kind of hangs over top of it. One more song about... He, he He uses that space. He uses that negative space very effectively. Yeah. And again, the use of the numbers throughout the chorus was... It, it was it was one of those lyrical highlights for me. The way he kind of counts. Normally, a very tacky thing. Hey, but it wasn't in this song. It reminded me a lot of Scenes of an Italian Restaurant from Billy Joel. How like all of those are unique sections that he's tied together. Same thing happens here. It's not quite as drastically, but they're all like unique in the way they sound and then they just fall together so perfectly yeah i will say i I didn't think it was tacky in this song i think usually songs that do this one two three four bit are a little on the cheesy side and mostly i'm thinking probably the plain white tees are what ruined that for me but this one's good you know one more song about you two more nights without you was the weakest of the links uh-huh. You're still all that's on my mind. It's 3 a.m. and I'm four drinks in. And I thought that was phenomenal. Yeah, that's probably the best one because it bridges mid-sentence, right? It's 3 a.m. and now I'm, and then it jumps to the next one for four drinks in. You know, the I'm is part of the previous kind of lyrical run. It's also, I mean, it's a pretty familiar sentiment to a songwriter. You know, just you're stuck writing songs about this person. Wasting pages in a journal for you, it's all I do, was an awesome line. It's a great line. This is my favorite. This was the second favorite. I'll, I'll accept that yours is second favorite. I'll accept that yours is favorite. <laughs> it was weird too, right? Because right, we have one last cigarette that it was mid-tier for me. And then this song that just blew the rest of the album out of the water. Into Damage, which is another one of my lower bottom three songs. Damage is one that I think I put in the middle. By my fourth pass, I really wasn't sure I loved that synth intro a ton. And I still don't. But I do love the first verse. He sings all of me, half of you. On an island in your bedroom, up all night seeing sounds, wondering where you spend the night now. It's pretty concise. I have in my notes here, putting it in the bottom three isn't necessarily a slight on the song. No. Something's gotta go there, and this one just didn't do it for me as 
much as some of the others. The others are just too amazing that this has to fall where it fell. Yeah. I mean, we went through the verse that was good, and then I thought the pre-chorus was also pretty good. He says, you were an angel fallen at Dukes on Main. I was yours to take. I was like, awesome. And then we hit the chorus, and he, I guess lyrically I like this one way more than musically is what I'm getting at. Because yeah. in the chorus he says, I'll still be that temporary phase that you grow through was an awesome start to the chorus. And then the middle of the chorus... I just don't like this wouldn't change, wouldn't change, wouldn't change. Too much. It's too much for me. I agree. But then the absolute best is the title line. I think I could manage being collateral damage. Yes, it's so good. That's such a good And I think it's so smart of them to have just called the song damage because then when they hit you with that line, it really hits you. Right. I love that line. I just don't think the chorus surrounding it is strong enough to support it. Uh Uh-huh. I agree. They're great songwriters. Well, this is a debut album too. They've got all the time in the world to only improve. I have high hopes for them. After that first chorus, I noticed that the acoustic guitar in the background was really popping. And it was just such a small piece of the bigger picture, but it was a really important one. And I liked it a lot. Since the acoustic guitar is kind of a rarity on this record, the places where they do throw it in there are really special. Now listen, I know y'all are listening to this using your smartphone or on your computer, using some sort of technology to hear us talk about this album. But this next song really shines a bad light on technology as a whole. This is kind of what I was teasing earlier. So I listened to this song and it started and I went ooh what a start you know I really liked the feel I was like I love the way that this sounds right off the bat and then he started singing and I went oh (laughs) like this is a phone song oh so you had the same reaction I did earlier kinda I wrote I have never been more disappointed with the direction that a song has taken interesting and then I said is this what you felt when we listened to Endless Nameless by Nirvana, where you love the way it started and then just hated what it turned into? Yeah, probably. Lyrically, I feel like this is my least favorite song on the album, or it's close. Really? Yeah. It's so weird, because musically, it's one of my favorite songs. One of my top six, maybe. And lyrically, bottom three. Huh. I said that it started off with like the soothing sounds you'd want to fall asleep to, is almost what it sounded like. Oh, and so then when he kicks in with the line, I'm wide awake, that's really weird. I know, I, I wrote that down. Yeah. Do you know the band AJR? Have you listened to them any? I do not. This song felt like an AJR song in a lot of ways. I don't know if anyone out there that's listening to this is familiar, but AJR, I think, has a lot of similarities in themes and, like, delivery, and then also the production is kind of on the same page as that. And again, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I like a lot of AJR songs, but there are some AJR songs that are a miss for me. How could you hate the lyrics on this? I I just... What's next? Is this the future of humanity? Nice flex, but I don't... F with all the vanity. Okay, well, first of all, first of all, first of all, it starts out with I'm wide awake, which like, I'm not sure whether I'm wide awake is an I can't sleep because I'm on my phone all the time or an I'm so enlightened to this societal issue. I'm wide awake. I see the truth. I just didn't like either one a ton. I think it could be a bit both because the very next line is what's up with our obsession with our pocket screens. Like I'm wide awake. I can't sleep because I can't get off my phone. Uh, It's just face first off a ledge where endless information goes in a world where instant affirmation flows. Like that's so I love that. That is certified poetry i agree with it's a clever way to express this sentiment but i really feel like the idea is a little overplayed and just campy tropey what's it i'll give you the chorus is a bit weaker but the verses are so good Uh, it's okay i mean he gets to the chorus and he goes so look up it's right there in front of you you're stuck to your phone like it's super glue like that felt like a weak rhyme and an even weaker simile it was not great i feel like it really tracks with the rest of their themes of like living your life they're very caught up on how you should be living your life to the fullest and they're arguing that if you're stuck looking at your phone all the time you're not doing that also the title look up like look up off your screen versus looking something up on your phone you know i don't know there's a lot of clever stuff going on here I did think of that wordplay, and I did also highlight the second verse. I was yes. like, this is my least favorite song lyrically, except the second verse is a little better. The triple rhyme there with, is human nature all synonymous? Is this a carbon copy of my consciousness? Wish my social status could remain anonymous. Like, those are three big words that they got to rhyme. That's the part I liked, and I just mostly like it for syllables, not for content. I like the way it sounds more than I liked what it says. Now, I know I'm giving this song a lot of praise, but I will say this song falls in the bottom half of the record for me. Again, not a slight. I love the song. It's got clever use of technological terms. It's an interesting message. It's just all the other songs were better. Yeah, it just uh, it was okay. I, I like to listen to it. I don't like to listen to it. You know what I mean? I like to listen to the music. I don't like to listen to the words. 
Interesting. The next song is Help Me Get Over You. It's the first and only piano ballad. And it's amazing. This is one of the ones that I thought you were going to say. Before you revealed that Song About You was high on your list, I thought this piano ballad, given everything you've talked about on the show, I thought that was going to be the one you went for. Well, it's my other top three pick. I said this one is leagues better than Look Up. And on my first listen, I said this is top three. I said this is maybe top three. So it did make my one pass top three. But... But it didn't make total top three? It did not make top three oh. on my eighth listen and beyond. It fell out. You know, the song started, I said, I can tell already I'm going to want this in the top three. Darn you, Jeffrey, and your amazing voice. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, the chorus. I've said it enough times. I'm just repeating myself at this point. They know how to do a chorus. Yeah, they do. What I noticed on this album is that they end their choruses with their titles a lot. Like, every chorus has the title in the last line, except I Think I Like You, and maybe you can count Song About You, but that's cutting it close, because they repeat one more song about you after the chorus. So that's it, really. It's just the two. Everything else has the title of the song in the last line of the chorus. And in some ways, I like that because it helps keep the song focused, especially if you're writing a song. That's a good way for you to have a good grip on the themes that you need to tackle in your second verses and so on. Yeah. But boy, it just doesn't waver. I mean, it's it's every song. It's just different. I wasn't expecting it. Mm hmm. And the chorus, the message is to tell me you slept with my best friend or that you always hated my band, you know? Yeah, give me some reason to hate you. Anybody who's had a relationship that ended and they didn't want it to can identify with this chorus. Help me find something wrong with you. Yeah, I liked the line a lot. Tell me you wish you never met me or you met somebody new. Really nice parallel. And what really is the cherry on top is the line, even if you have okay, to lie. Okay, yeah, that's exactly what was on. Oh. Even, even if you have to lie, anything's better than the truth. Like, there was this implication that he actually believes that some of this is true. You know, maybe you're not lying about all this. Yeah. But even if it's not true, tell me it's true. You know, he's like, even if you have to lie, like, I don't care if you have to lie to me. I just need to get over you. You know, like, I can't go on like this. Can't keep living my life like this. Again, tying into that theme. Wild. So, yeah, this rounds out my top three. It used to round out my top three. My top three was very spread out on this album, which I think is a positive note for the album. That The good songs for me weren't all concentrated in one spot. I guess that makes it more fun to listen to if the stuff that you like is way far apart and you don't have it all done at the beginning and have nothing to look forward to. And finally, we have track 14, Get It Your Way, which is almost a Burger King ad. <laughs> That's what I thought when I first listened to it. I was like, oh, they're really skirting the line here. Uh, Burger King ad Camino. <laughs> yep. So this is one I didn't really care for the first verse on. Yeah, it was okay. This is an interesting one. This is one that my opinions really changed as I went through the song. It's a good album closer, but I think if it wasn't the album closer, I would not think so fondly of it as a song. I would have preferred the album just ended on Help Me Get Over You. Yeah. The pre-chorus is nice, but the chorus is what's really off. And so as I listen, I have like, the chorus is off somehow. I'm not sure what it is. And then later on when it hit again, I was like, I can't put my finger on what I'm struggling with. And then the pre-chorus hit and I was like, oh, I love the pre-chorus again. Like the pre-chorus is really good in this song. Oh yeah. He says, I don't believe who you act like you are anymore. Yeah. Again, going back to that core identity, like who are you? The whole who you act like you are versus who you really are. It's just clever. It's just a lot to, to understand pack in that line that single line when we hit the final chorus of the song is when i finally figured out what i was struggling with i'll take you back to at the beginning of this episode when i mentioned i first was introduced to the band camino with the song see-through yeah yeah that was the first thing that i was introduced to him with and I fell in love with that song. It was one of my favorite Ban Camino songs until this album came out. As it should have been. It was good. So there's a part in See-Through where they go, you should have learned by now. And it's like the, the backup series are doing the Malak, you should have learned by now. You should have learned by now. That's what this chorus is. It's like they had that part of See-Through and they're like, we like this. We want to do a whole song around this. And that's what this song is. I did not even think about that. But it's not quite done as well as it's done in See-Through. Or I'm too used to See-Through and I like See-Through too much. I don't know. It reminded me too much of that and it just ruined the song for me in a way. Yeah, the chorus is these really sweeping back and forth lines. It's very distant i think the chorus feels very distant if that makes sense yeah it's very high and sweeping and vast and that's not as good this song would probably be right around the eight or nine mark for me i can get behind that almost exactly yeah man we're that's that's the end of the, that's the end of the album i can't believe how much we agreed on 
I'm glad we agreed. I'm interested to see how our scores come out if we agreed so much. Yeah, so that takes us to the final spin where we will close this episode and score the album. I don't even know what your score is. That's true. You have no idea. Let me take you through my thoughts here. I I made two sets of notes. After my first listen, I made a wrap-up note. And after my eighth listen, I made another wrap-up note. Okay. My first listen, I said, I think this is a really fun alt-pop record. Thematically, it felt really consistent. A few of the lyrics fell flat and they felt like cliches, but then there were so many many others. I mean, a lot of others that more than made up the difference on that. It was easy to overlook because of how many standout lines there were. And my top three were know-it-all, help me get over you, and I think I like you. Two of those remained in the top three, but you'll remember help me get over you was replaced by song about you. Yeah. On my eighth listen, I think this one holds up. You know, a lot of my comments from the first pass about how it sounded and stuff, I thought a lot of those stood, but I said it's pretty remarkably consistent for a debut record, especially one that's self-titled. Like, what an introduction to this band. And it's also fitting that it's self-titled because it's so focused on self-reflection. To call it the band Camino, it just makes sense. It was a really pleasant surprise for me, honestly, to, to go into it knowing almost nothing about the band or their sound or just to be so new to them. It's great. Really pleasant surprise. Like 10 out of these 14 songs, easily, I'm going to have on heavy repeat. And the other four of them are just going to be on normal... (laughs) levels of repeat you know what I mean and I think if I had longer breaks in between listens and not 10 times in 48 hours I feel like that dislike of those songs would be even less just you know with more time to cool down yeah that's where I stand on everything and now the moment you've all been waiting for I think music is really good a lot of places one of the reasons I could even tolerate listening to this album 10 times is because the music is so good the choruses get stuck in your head by the fourth or fifth listen you can sing along to almost everything here I gave music an 86 Oh, only an 86? Almost 90. That's almost 90. And you have to remember, too, first of all, two whole songs on this record did not make much of a splash musically. Not to mention the weird stuff going on with Get It Your Way. I was really hoping for at least a 90. Well, you were hoping for at least a 90. You're not going to get it from music. Lyrics, I liked a lot of. I feel like I don't need to say much about the lyrics. We already talked about a lot of the standouts. Yeah. So I think lyrics have rightfully earned a 90. Woo! Yep. Production and instrumentation was a hard call a a little bit because sometimes there was the one chorus that felt really washed out or sometimes the techno vibe didn't jive or whatever. But honestly, I think they more than made up for it with all the highlights on this album. And the way that they can make their sound emulate so many other genre-specific bands was really impressive to me. This doesn't feel like an album that's pigeonholed them into one specific style. I feel like they've established themselves as very versatile musicians that can kind of play across the entire spectrum of alt-pop. I'm giving production in 91. 91, yeah. And some of those comments, I guess, also apply to the vibe. So each listen felt a lot shorter than the last one. I was just flying through this album on the 8th, 9th, 10th times. So I guess that's a sign that I was really into it. Given vibe in 88. What's that bringing the whole score out to? Total score overall, the squirrels that run our math department have told me that that's an 89.1. Oh, not quite a 90. Not quite, but it's close. And actually, you'll like this. It's currently ranked position number 90 on the list. Yeah, yeah. Top 100. All right. Top 100. It was a really standout record for me. I was impressed. That that excites me. This was not only a fun way to enter double digits as a podcast, but also it was your introduction to them as a band, and I'd really been pushing for you to listen to them. So I'm really happy that you like them, and that this album in particular made top 100 for you. 100%, yeah. Yeah, so for me, this album did everything I wanted it to do, and more, like I said. You're a bi- You were already a fan Camino. I was already a fan Camino, and now I'm a super fan Camino. Wow. Um, like I said, I came into this having already heard four of the songs, so I knew it was going to be great. Honestly, I did have a little twinge of doubt. I was like, are these just going to be the only four good songs? And so this album blew it out of the water. Two songs that weren't pre-released made it into my top three. My top three in order, because I was able to definitively rank these ones. Song About You, Sorry Mom, Help Me Get Over You. Wow. Weird that we only have one song of overlap in our top three, but our bottoms are still the same. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give this one nine unit Caminos out of ten. (laughs) unit caminos yes nine i'm not surprised that you gave it a nine yeah i'm not surprised you know we got the stranger it's a nine and future nostalgia is a nine and so this would be my third nine 
So yeah, that puts our scores 89.1 and a 9. Also, again, yeah, another episode where we're really, really close in score. That's episode 10 of Spin It. Tune in next week when we're bringing you another rockin' album. I'm excited about the next episode, too. I think it's going to turn out to be a really good episode. Yeah, which episode is it? All I'll tell you is that you should bring some dimes. For the jukebox? Are we doing that, Joan Jet? Maybe. Listen, audience, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as James and I did. This was really fun to do. If you did like it, I think it'd be fun to do other albums that are like fresh release albums in the future every so many episodes. So oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely let us know if this is something you like and would like to see more of. You can let us know that on any of our socials. We got Instagram, Twitter. A website. We have a whole website where there's a form you can fill out. www.spinitpod.com. Under the album recommendations on the Get Connected tab, there's all kinds of things you can tell us about on the form. Whether it's show comments, album recommendations singles recommendations yeah tag slogans for the end of our episodes we're still looking for that anyway have a great week everybody we'll see you next time for some rock and roll everybody keep spinning keep the camino. spinning camino i'm doing the same joke i beat you to it. it oh man